We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! What's up and welcome to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. We wanted to thank those viewers who watched us live last night on this edition of Buzz Beat. Uh, if you haven't done so, please go out and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It means a lot to us and it also helps with the, the algorithms and, and getting our pod more exposure. Before we get started, if you could also do us a favor and fill out an anonymous survey on how well we're doing we will gladly take any feedback or constructive criticism that you guys have of us. The survey link is in the notes of this episode. We've read all the responses so far, and we'll try to implement as much as we can. I did want to read one comment on the survey uh, that we really wanted to highlight here. It was in response to the question, what do you like most about this podcast? And this person said, the level of insight and analysis, the way the hosts justify their opinions and argue, and the lack of a need to try and change the formula of the show in a hackish ways to drum up engagement. So we really do appreciate all the kind words. Uh, keep sending them in in the survey. Keep sending them in on Apple Podcast with your ratings and reviews. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Brian and Spencer on these draft prospects. Right, so it's BG and I today and we're going to be jumping into our uh between number 21 and 30 on our big board um we've already talked about one through 20 
uh, and appreciate all the interaction uh, and the opinions that everybody shared on, on our big boards. They've been very different so far, BG. I think we've had certainly some similarities, um, but I think in a lot of areas we, we see these guys differently. And as I look at 21 through 30 today, <laughs> I think we're going to have more interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, so, How's that? So you've been out there. I've really enjoyed your Twitter uh, content recently. You've been doing so much scouting going through this group. So when you get to the bottom of the first round, like, is there like one or two things you're looking for in a prospect? Like if you were picking in this range that that's what I want to find. Yeah. there. So there's like two, for me, there's like two ways of looking at it. I think there are, as far as the way prospects were sort of falling for me in this range, a lot of them were falling into the, you know, semi-development prospect, but a guy that you think pretty quickly should be able to come into a rotation and be a plug-and-play player at a, a good contract, you know? Yeah. And, and then the other category was the, the development pieces, and those are guys that, you know, it's going to either take – two years, it's going to take, you know, a mix of G League action – player development, getting to play some of the parent club for them to sort of perhaps by the end of uh, a rookie contract be sort of more ready to contribute. And then based off of that, guys that I was looking for in this range of 25, almost even up to 35, 40, and, I, and we're not going to go up that far, but if you were to sort of drag along my, my big board out that further, a lot of these guys are falling into a couple categories, three and D wings, movement shooters and smaller guards. And and so the, those, I feel like those position types were, were dominant. Um, and they're all, those are, those are important parts to have on, on a roster. Certainly the, 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 the bigger wing aspects of that. And I think there are potentially some, some guys to, uh, to look at in this range and even some guys we may not get to uh, on this episode, but what, what do you think? How, how much, what, what would you say for your own, your own uh, research here? Yeah, I well, I like the points you made. I mean, I, I look at some of these guys you have in, in 21 to 30, and I and I asked the question to you because I'm thinking about, I like these, some of these guys. Why, why don't I have them mm-hmm. here? And so one of the things I think if I'm, a, if, you know, if I'm making a decision 21 through 30 late first round, I, I am leaning more towards someone that's going to come in and be able to contribute now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most of that is because, I, I'm on a, I'm running a pretty good team, right? So like we were already yeah, competitive, right. and so I want to be able to plug and play. Um, so I was really focused on two way impact, um, and, not, and not all these guys we're going to talk about are, are coming in as great shooters or even polished defenders. Um, but I think that we talk about these six six to six nine um, wing types that every single team, you know, two way impact guys at least project that way. These kind of players that every single roster in the league needs. So you just can't have enough of them, right? And so I think you'll see some of those names pop up for me in some rows really late. Like I, I think I had a lot of these guys graded in the second round, but the more I watched, I realized like this player should be a plug and play yeah. uh, immediately because of these two things they bring to the table. They don't have star potential and probably will never sniff all-star level, but they're going to be NBA players for uh, probably get to a second contract. Yeah. Uh, and a coach will be able to trust them. So I'm looking at like those kind of guys. Yeah. And, and you got to think for the purposes of Charlotte, right? At pick 32, I, I know it's so easy to, to fall into this trap, but there are 10, 12, 15 guys that they could go with with that pick 
that I, that I feel pretty comfortable will be in that range or will definitely be available that really seem like good fits and guys that I could see making a difference the, over the course of a, a three-year rookie contract and likely on to a, a second contract. Yep. But we're, we, we are, we're finding out very quickly with Devontae, with Cody Martin, that's just centric to Charlotte obviously other rosters and franchises around the league have really done well hitting on some of these second round picks. But last two seasons, we've seen some success with Charlotte trusting their scouting, finding good players, older players too. So they even, they, it seems like even Charlotte has gone with the sort of the plug and play route, maybe even back to uh, Dwayne Bacon in, in 2017. I know that's a different front office that's, that's drafting that as well too. Um, but I think perhaps they're even looking for that type of, that, that type of fit in, in terms of uh, the roster and, and where the, the they're looking to, to build. So something to keep, something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, and we're not going to get to 32 per se on our big board exactly tonight, but I would say there's a greater than 50% chance, probably greater than 60% chance that one of these players we talk about tonight is probably going to be drafted by Charlotte at 32. So mm-hmm. it's just something to keep in mind as you hear some of these names. Again, I think what you once you get past really number like 10, 11, 12 in this draft, the the stock volatility is crazy for these prospects. So you could see a lot of these guys that we're discussing towards the end of the first round on our board in the lottery and vice versa. So, uh, all right, well, let's jump in here. We're just going to mention real quickly. I know, I know going 10 by 10 by 10 is it's an arbitrary number, but of those three cutoffs, those three divisions of the first round, this was, I think, the most fun to do. Honestly, I don't know if it was the if it's the 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 barrier between the first and second round. The fact that Charlotte has a high second round pick, so you're you're sort of visualizing which guys could be there. But I, I just found this to be uh, an, an enjoyable bracket of the of the picks to to put together. Actually, there's just a lot of guys. We say this every year, but but it but it, it rings true once again. 20 or 25 to 40, 45. I just like a lot of players in, in that range. And, and it's exciting that the Hornets once again have another pick smack dab in the middle of all of that. Uh, no, I'm, t- I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I, I get to this place every single year where I'm scouting the guys in this range. And I'm like, why do I like so many of these guys? You know what it is? <laughs> I was playing golf with a friend on Saturday and I, and we were talking about the Panthers upcoming season. I told him, I was like, you know, I think they're going to be better than, five and a half wins or whatever their over under is and he goes i don't know why but i'm really excited for this season and i said i can tell you why because there's no expectations, expectations yes right yes. like expectations strip down everything yeah. no or doubt. most things to its purest form and no i think that the, the same thing kind of rings true uh when you start looking at prospects like this Agreed. all right so we're gonna do we'll do it in three tiers here 21 22 23 24, 25, 26, tier, tier two, and then tier three, 27 through 30. So I'll start with my tier one. Drum roll, please. Oh, yeah. Okay, finally, I have Cole Anthony at 21. I wasn't going to leave him off the top 60. So yeah. he, here, here he is landing at 21. At 22, I have Jalen Smith. He was a late riser for me. I really, really like this kid more than I did at the beginning. And then 23, uh, you know, I've been high on him all along, uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, he's one of my short list um, wishes for the Hornets at 32. Um, Look, with Cole Anthony, if you've listened to this pod for a while, then you kind of get where I stand on him. I think he's going to have the same kind of role as um, some of the other – one other player, I think, in in this 
tier. Desmond Bain just kind of like volume score, six man off the off the bench. I think if everything even checks right for him, um, but one that really is not as efficient as I think a lot of his peers. Uh, certainly, one year at Carolina, that's not all on him. Uh, it was a clunky fit. There was no spacing in that offense. Probably as little spacing as any team in the country. I'm sympathetic to some of those things, but you know, Cole Anthony just never. Um, he never figured out how he could make that team better. And I think that that was, that was the most disappointing aspect to me for a guy that comes out as, you know, probably the best high school player uh, or, or, you know, the best prospect coming into his freshman season. Um, you know, a guy that was going to get to the rim whenever he wanted was going to, was going to score at will. Uh, you know, people thought his, you know, his jump shot will develop. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't see that play. I didn't see the explosiveness, BG, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't see the just getting to the rim, getting into the paint, creating for his, you know, creating mm-hmm. for his teammates, wreaking havoc. I just, I just didn't see that guy. I saw a guy that needs like two to three, maybe even four years more of development, and that's okay. But he's nowhere uh, near like a, a lottery. Um, type of space, you know, prospect wise to me right now, uh, anything else? And, and you've had a lot of thoughts on Cole Anthony too. And you, uh, you, I know you watched every single one of his games. Yeah. Year, which I did not. So what do you have to add to that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it should be mentioned like things couldn't have gone worse. Right. And, and some of, and a lot of that was, was potentially out of his control too. He had the injury, he missed six weeks. He didn't look super bursty even before the, 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 the knee injury. I think that was an arthroscopic procedure this is a guy before he got to UNC so well known for his ability to separate attack the top foot on the basketball. And we didn't really see that the ability to, to separate the ability to, to get around guys, the ability to, to finish at the rim. He really struggled to score at the rim. I believe he finished. I can double check this, but I believe he finished according to synergies uh, numbers of under 40% at the rim in the half court this season. I still have Cole as a lottery talent because I think if there's any way he could get back to his pre-UNC on-ball explosion, then you've, then the team really lucks into this guy later later in the first round. What we did see this year, though, was, as far as the good stuff goes, was the pull-up shooting and, and the pick-and-roll creation, which was pretty good this season. I think he had some games where his decision-making was – left something to be desired, but he was a very good pull-up shooter this season. He scored over 1.1 points per possession in isolation, um, 44% effective shooting off the dribble in the half court. That was 72nd percentile uh, in Division One. Shot okay on the threes and took a lot of them this year. That was sort of one of the ways, just shooting over the cramped spacing of, of UNC's half court. So there's a chance for him to have pull-up gravity on the next level. And if he can just get physically back to where people had him projected as recently as 10, 12 months ago, then you found the guy that could perhaps be a, a legit lead guard in the NBA. But we've, we've got a, a ways to go um, before then. Has the ability to make tough shots has the ability to be a pretty good step-back shooter as well, too. And you can even sort of take him off the ball and, and move him around screens, and he's got a decent shot off the catch. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of reasons for concern. And, again, I don't think what happened at UNC this season with the roster around him, the lack of secondary shooting did him any favors um, in terms of a prospect yeah, heading into the season. 
Uh, yeah, <clears throat> agree there. Um, 22, Jalen Smith. Here's a here's a prospect yeah. I've really uh, come along to like here recently. I think he's got major two-way impact. Um, the advanced numbers really, really like him. Mm-hmm. He He's going to be a rim protector on the next level. He's quick off his feet. He's good with his hands, catches a lot of stuff. Um, he's got that double jump that we talk about with bigs all the time, a very important skill. Uh, he moves fluidly. He's 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 an incredible athlete uh, for a guy six ten six eleven. Got, a, got an awesome wingspan. It looks like to the naked eye. You know, he, here's one. Here's a player that you know if he got into the combine and his measurements, he could be he could turn into a darling, right? But he reminds me of a, like a Chris Boucher type kind of. I think he's got yeah. I think he's got uh, more upside than a guy like Chris Boucher. I think he's a more fluid athlete. The swing skill for Jalen Smith to me is just like can he make plays you know, in, in a short roll situation. Um, not something we saw a lot of from him last year. Uh, we know he can pick and pop. Uh, he's got a fluid looking jump shot and Richie's got some highlights up here. I mean, the way he goes and grabs balls over dudes heads consistently, and you can see how soft his hands are there. I mean, he's got a lot. I mean, he, he has got, uh, he's a cross between a guy like Boucher and like a Miles Turner to me, but I think he's mm-hmm. got the chance to be better than both of those players. So I'm really excited about Jalen and, and I'm not so sure he shouldn't be higher, um, higher on my board, honestly. Yeah. I want to buy more into Jalen Smith, but, um, and I like him more than say someone like Daniel Toro. I like him a, a lot more actually. Um, and yeah, he's that sort of like potential, the archetypal, uh, stretch five that can protect the rim that would fit nicely with PJ and Charlotte. Right. We did something yeah. we talk about in this podcast, a lot of having a five that could guard opposing fives, but also open up the middle of the court for, for PJ to dive to the rim or make plays on the, on the shore roll and be able to spray passes out in, in any direction. Um, yeah, the, the shooting numbers are good. Shot 37% on threes this season. Um, career 71% shooter from the free throw lines. Like, that's a decent indicator. Showed some movement shooting skills, too. The ability to come off screens, pick and pop. Those numbers were pretty encouraging as well, too. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that's like that's going to be, I think, a bit of a swing skill for him on the next level. You know, can he be a, a legit stretch five that you can pick and pop and, and use that to get you into your half-court offense? Um, yeah. He's a guy that I'm very interested in at pick 32 uh, for Charlotte and was a guy that was – I have him pretty, like, pretty – safely early in, in the second round but I understand like if you've if anyone's got a top 20 grade on him I understand why because he fits into the NBA um as the the sort of like archetypal um uh, archetypal stretch five that can yeah. protect that can protect the rim right right and, and the last point I'd make with him is the more I've watched him recently I think his his fluidity I think his defensive potential defensive impact not only at the rim but maybe switching across a few positions so might be a guy one day that can play leverage minutes at that position yeah. which is which is the most important thing obviously for first centers regardless of how mm-hmm. they're built now one um, one thing I'd add on him too I thought is what, that that I that I think she deserves being recognized is Xavier Tillman who we're going to talk about here in a second mm-hmm. uh, spent the last at least two seasons and not the last three years, just pushing guys around in the big 10, uh, including Daniel Toro uh, during both games this season. But I thought Jalen Smith did a pretty good job matching up in terms of just Xavier Tillman's so strong. And I thought Jalen Smith showed decent uh, strength against him when matched up this year. Interesting. Um, all right. 22 for me, Desmond Bain. 
or excuse me, 23 for me, Desmond Bain. I, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've liked this guy a lot from the beginning. I mean, he's about as efficient as it comes uh, as, as a guy who – he didn't dominate the ball. His usage wasn't crazy. But when he had the ball in his hands, uh, setting up his teammates, he's a connector. He sees, the, he sees the floor well. He can whip a pass to the opposite corner without uh, really even – he doesn't need to be on the move, and he doesn't need to be able to see over the top. I mean, this guy's just got – He's got really, really good touch and feel for where his teammates are on the floor. He's an incredible rebounder um, for a guard or a wing player. The one thing with Bain, and he's an awesome three-point shooter. I mean, really the most, probably the most efficient bomber uh, with incredible range in the whole country uh, with a little bit of a unorthodox motion, but damn if that thing doesn't go in. Um, the one question with Bain and why I think he, he just really can't be any higher than this to me is he, he there's just no um, there's no evidence that guy's going to be able to get to the rim consistently without a ball screen, which isn't like my biggest concern in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, ball screens are everywhere in the NBA now. It's it's everybody's offense, but he 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 does lack I think a, a first step, a burst. Um, you know, not, not sure he's going to be an incredible transition player in the NBA. So he needs to use his body, his big frame, as you can see here and the highlights, and, and he's going to need a ball screen. But I do think that he could end up being uh, a great long-term shot-in-the-arm offensive player off the bench for an NBA team who not only can get you points, but he, he can also run your offense uh, and, and keep that second unit afloat. I mean, I think that's his role in the league He's just like I don't know. He's just a little too heavy legged for me uh, to say he's gonna like be the next Fred Fred Van Vliet or something like that. But mm-hmm. also wouldn't rule it out. I mean, the guy knows how to play the game, and he's a lethal scorer. Yeah, he he is. He's. I just think he's one of the ultimate plug and play guys in this draft. That's why I think I, he only ended up around. 17 or 18 for me on my board. He's the best shooter in the draft. Um, there's some other, some good competition for that crown, but I think he's the best. Just incredible versatility with his shot, movement shooting, coming off screens, the little the little tricks that he has after he comes off a, a down screen to you know pump, sidestep, separate a little bit. Um, shooting off the dribble made a huge jump this season, and really his spot-up catch-and-shoot numbers – uh, which we've addressed on on this podcast before, they are in a league of their own in terms of volume and efficiency as far as draft prospects this season. And maybe if you wanted to sort of like scale that back to the last couple of years, some pick and roll craft. Um, like you said, yeah, he needs a ball screen to get to the rim, but he can play make out of the pick and roll. Super solid team defender, six foot six. Like I, I just you want this guy to come in and be like you know the. I just feel like he can play a variety of different roles. Is he your, you know, your, your fifth best player, but you're, you're sort of your third or fourth option offensively, or is he a, an off the bench, a guy that you come in off the bench and run offense through in a variety of different ways? I'm not totally sure, but I think he's a really, really good prospect. I think he's going to be a very solid rotation piece um, in the NBA. So yeah, I, I mean, I love Bain. I think anyone that gets Bain in the, in this range is a, is a, is a, is a win. I have no hesitancy drafting him. He's a really good player. Yeah. Same. I mean, again, he's on my short list uh, of guys that yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping are there at 32 for Charlotte. And I think it's, it's totally, uh, totally believable that that would be the case. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. 
DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Wendy's or the Cheesecake Factory. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, BG, you're yeah. 23. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, 21 with a guy that we talked about on a, on a podcast way back in April, I think. But uh, Josh Green from Arizona, uh, 3&D wing, good size, decent athleticism, and just like that important, discrete set of skills, uh, the 3&D wing with some size. Um, really good on the basketball point of attack defender. Uh, moves quick, laterally quickly, strong in his chest, which – if you just saw Andre Iguodala, what he did to, to Giannis last night, you see how important it is to have those those on ball defenders that are that can really defend and, and stand up opponents uh, during one on one scenarios. But just willing to accept and embrace a one on one challenge off the ball as a team defender will occasionally lose touch with his with his cover, but pretty good closeout player um, offensively. The form on the jumper is a little a little wonky, and that's perhaps uh, putting it nicely. He really does, you know, sort of like bow in those toes, and, and it feels like the, the his knees are almost going to knock against one another. It looks painful, but um, I think if he cleans that up, you know, he's just going to immediately get more explosive as a shooter in terms of his ability to shoot over players, shoot off movement, which is, uh, you know, not like a, it's not really a strength of his right now. But he can shoot the basketball. 29% of his field goal attempts this season were came from beyond the arc. That's about to go way, way, way up, right? I mean, Josh Green's about to spend the next decade plus of his life or whatever being a guy that shoots, you know, 50-plus percent of his attempts are going to come from uh, beyond the arc on spot-up looks. 36% on threes this season. About 97% of his made threes were assisted. So there you see that uh, – that off the catch number and yeah 60 percent effective shooting on catch and shoots is a great number not amazing volume because again in arizona's 
offense, um, not a lot of threes. And, and really he was the other than Max Hazard. He was in, I guess, Nico Mannion too, but, but green was sort of like their, their top bomber. And uh, yeah, just not crazy, crazy volume. He didn't really show the ability to like run off screens and stuff like that and in, in catch and shoot up from those scenarios. But I do think part of that is the form is a little messy. And this is something we talked about with him a couple months ago. There just aren't a lot of freshmen that come into college and are ready to be dynamic off-screen shooters, movement shooters, guys that can really bend defenses. I mean, yes, you'll have a guy like Jalen Cohn at Virginia Tech who's a special, uh, you know, a, a pin-down, off-screen artist. But there aren't – those guys I think are more rare. And for a guy like Green, I think if you fix his form a little bit, I think there's the ability for him to become more of a of a, of a, of a off-screen shooter. And, yeah, like there are still some relocation skills moving left to right. Uh, not a lot of it, but there's some of that. Not a lot of self-creation, very limited offensively, uh, off the dribble, just 7 of 33 on off-dribble jumpers in the half court this season, 21%. Shot under 38% at the rim in the half court, not a lot of, of volume either. But I think on the break is really where you see him get to flash his athleticism. He's sort of a, a, a burner on the break, really runs, sprints to the corner, fills the corner, you know, flattens out the defense. I actually think that's where some of his best passes came, where – he ran to the corner, caught it on the break, and then looked for you know Zeke Naji filling the lane uh, on on a transition rim run. I think some of that makes me buy into his catch and go potential in the half court as like a closeout beater a little bit too. You know his ability to to make plays like that in transition. Um, and even though he shot thirty, you know right at thirty eight percent at the rim in the half court, twenty four dunks this season. Um, so again, there's, there's some, there is some decent athleticism, uh, there to go along with his size, which is really good. So yeah, Josh Green checked in at 21 for me. He, uh, he reminds me a little bit of a guy that we just saw break out in these playoffs. Um, Gary Trent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was, they're not the same player. They were, you know, Gary Trent was a better offensive player, I think at Duke, but it's similar, like, we're not really sure what this guy could do with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Trent, certainly I, I would imagine was a little bit better of a movement shooter, but I don't know. Just, just like similar body types, um, you know, uh, similar athletes. I think green's got a chance. I'm just not sure what I, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know what his role is. Like, I don't know what I'm asking him to do on the floor outside of, you know, guard a, guard a secondary offensive guy. And then uh, offensively, I don't know what his role is. He's, He's someone I think would benefit from coming back to school. I don't think he will, but he's just one of those guys to me that could benefit from that. Um, all right, 22 for yeah, you. 22. Uh, one of my favorite players in the draft, um, Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State, a guy that thought about coming back for his senior year uh, before deciding to stay in the draft. Just a cool combination of a player, one of the strongest prospects in the draft, one of the smartest prospects in the draft and one of the best passers that's in the draft this year too. Just a very, a a unique set of skills. And um, yeah, as far as his defense goes, he was arguably the best defensive player in in college basketball this season. He's certainly in the conversation, great post defense, just like a cement wall guarding post-ups for a lot of guys. I mean, I, he took on a lot of challenges, so some guys beat him, um, but really I think showed a lot as a post defender. He's just he's so damn strong. He's a box out champion 
Um, great position defender, great team defender, uh, loose balls, passing lanes, just disruptive in both of the, in all of that stuff. A career 7.2% block rate. I mean, he's not super tall, obviously, smaller for a center, but with his strength and his ability, just the timing, his ability to stay vertical at the rim, um, yeah, was a pretty special uh, rim protector, uh, at least in terms of that percentage. Uh, for Xavier Tillman, one of 13 players going back to the 07-08 season with career numbers of uh, uh, five in terms of defensive box plus minus, 5% block rate and 2% steal rate. Um, some of the other guys on that list, uh, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, Nerlens Noel, Willie Cauley-Stein, and Isaiah Wilkins. So I think you can make a case was maybe the best defender Tony Bennett had has had during uh, his run at, at Virginia. Um, just an amazing feel for the game on both ends of the court. Uh, as far as the, the, my favorite part, though, about Tillman is the, the playmaking component he brings offensively. Yeah. Um, an elite short roll passer, dynamic. Um, probably the best in college hoops this year. I mean, Killian Tilly, he, maybe he's in the conversation too, but but I would make the case. I mean, some of the plays that Tillman Raid made on the short roll this season, finding weak side shooters and whipping out some of these just, you know, almost no-look passes against set help defenses. Incredible, like NBA-level stuff easily. Um, and then there's the ability for him to be, a, a you know, like a half-court hub. Um, just the like, a really strong facilitator in the middle of the court. Put him in the slot, put him at the top of the key, put him at the elbow, put him at the nail, wherever, somewhere in the middle of the court and run action off basketball and let Xavier Tillman make decisions. He's going to make great decisions for you every single time moves the basketball, reverses it, gets it going from one side to the other and back to the, the initial side too. Just like if you want to have an offense that gets to the second and third side of the court, Tillman's a great player to have. Um, watch him go pick and pop into a DHO, then into empty uh, empty side pick and roll, and he can do and then, then make a play on the short roll. Like He's just got so much so much skills and an incredible passing package, especially for a big, um, give them the basketball above the break. Let your guards run around off pin downs, twist action, split cuts. Tillman's going to read defenses and, and make the right pass. Um, he needs to add a little bit more stretch to his game. I think to sort of really open up and, and enforce closeouts on the pick and pop and stuff. But if you back off and just give him passing lanes, he's just gonna he's just gonna pick you apart, uh, pick your defense yeah. apart with his passing. And you really saw some of the best offense in college hoops this season was when Michigan State took Cassius Winston off the basketball, let him run off, run off pin downs, and just have Xavier Tillman twenty five feet from the hoop, just making every, the right read every single time. And though he's not super explosive. Xavier Tillman, sixty eight percent shooting at the rim in the half court, great number. And 28 dunks this season, too. So, yeah, I love Xavier Tillman. Um, I think he and P.J. Washington would fit rather nice, nicely next to one another, too. Yeah, he's going to – I mean, yeah, incredible breakdown. He's going to feed your offense. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, you can put him anywhere. You can give him most reads. Um, guys are just going to love playing with him. I mean, love it, uh, whether you're a, a point. If you can shoot it and you can shoot it on the move, <clears throat> um, you're going to love playing with this guy. So I think he's, he's a pretty malleable fit just about mm-hmm. anywhere in the NBA. Uh, he does have an old-school post game. Uh, he's certainly not an incredible athlete. I mean, you almost mm-hmm. kind of squint and see like shades of big out with his footwork and mm-hmm. kind of the step through <laughs> moves like left yeah. hand right over the front of the rim. Yeah. When he dunks, it's like, it looks painful, but he gets there. Um, you know, but I mean, the guy's just got 
an awesome feel for the game, you know, on both ends. Very impactful player. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, if you wanted to make a bucket of like the five most winning players in this draft, he should be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a guy who's going to make a positive impact. I think his ceiling is, it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I think he's got a chance to be, you know, a, a 10 year kind of NBA player that makes a lot of money because he's a winning, he's a winning player on both ends of the floor. And again, I mean, in this range, I'm looking for guys coaches can trust in big minutes. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely one of those guys. Um, I have him. He's just a little later. Yeah. Uh, show. Yeah. Uh, all right, 23 for you, BG. Yeah, yeah, and should say, too, about Tillman. Uh, reportedly, a just, like, film junkie, a, a guy that is, like, addicted to getting better. And so I think, you know, Spencer, you talk about attitude and, and, and wanting to have the right players come in and be a part of your system. I think he's a great fit no matter where he lands. Yeah. Um, so 23, I've got Aaron Neesmith I don't, out of Vanderbilt. I don't feel great about it, but I do like Neesmith. We talked about him, I think, two weeks ago when you brought him up. So I won't add too much extra just so we can maybe keep it moving a little bit here but I like his movement shooting uh, Jerry Stackhouse uh, and Vandy ran a lot of cool actions for him this year hammer actions flare screens elevator doors uh, corner pin downs with dummy weak side action and e. Smith looked awesome um, great pre-screen patterns running around reading coverages has a little shot fake escape dribble that you can see if, if he gets a, a hard chase coming around a, a you know a pin um, this season Number three uh, nationally in off-screen efficiency, 71% effective shooting. Uh, Cassius Winston, who we just mentioned, was uh, number one nationally in off-screen efficiency. Uh, Catch and shoots this season, 81% effective shooting, which is a hilarious number for Aaron Neesmith. That was number one nationally. So top three in both catch and shoot efficiency and uh, off-screen efficiency this season, according to Synergy. But as we discussed the other week, you know, didn't play a full season. They probably would have leveled off a little bit. You know, he's not, <laughs> he's not Clay Thompson. You know, he's a great shooter, but uh, maybe not the greatest catch and shoot player of all time, but for his career close to 303 point attempts, he shot 41% on those looks um, 82 and percent career from the free throw line as well too. So that's a good indicator. I do worry about some of the other components of his game. He doesn't get to the line a lot, sub-29% free throw rate for his career, just a 7% assist rate this season. But great shooter, great off-ball player, uh, can run around and, and bend and move a defense sort of with his gravity as a shooter. But they look, he and, and a guy like Sadiq Bey, like those guys are just going to absolutely have to shoot the ball at a high clip on the next level because Neeson yeah. is not offering you, as of right now, much else other than that. Correct, correct. And I, I think there was a lot of hype for him early, and it's starting to cool off a little bit because it's like, yeah. oh, well, he's not going to shoot 52% from behind the arc for his career. Yeah, so <laughs> so what else are we banking on here? Good points. Um, all right, so the second tier uh, of this 10, for me, I will start number 24. I've got Leandro Balmaro, um, Balmero maybe. I say it Balmaro. Um, I think that he's got a chance. He, I think he needs to go to a team that's ready to be patient with him. Uh, and we'll let him come along and develop. But six seven, you know, wing that can that is going to be, I think, a lethal transition player. Plays with a ton of energy. I love his competitiveness. It just it jumps off in the film. I mean, that's probably my favorite part about him. Um, you know, a good passer sees the floor. He's he's just one of these international Europe European uh, guys. Played for Barcelona last year, but actually he's Argentinian. Um, but he is a he's a wing that has a chance to run your offense one day. Um, 
you know, out of the pick and roll. He's got a little zip off the bounce. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, can get by the first defender, you know, get his teammates involved. I mean, he, he can, he can make plays offensively. I think he could be a problem one day on that end, a developing shooter, um, it's just a slow motion right now. He needs to mm-hmm. catch. He needs to one, two, needs to kind of get his arm set and then he lets it go. So he just needs to speed that up. Uh, he was 29%, uh, last year for Barcelona in 17 minutes per game from behind the arc. But I, I think that I'm comfortable in him being a pretty good shooter on the next level. Um, but I think one of the re- one of the biggest things with, with players like this that play at the speed that he does with the competitive competitiveness he does. He's not even 20 years old yet. Play for Barcelona, probably the, the, the highest level you could play in Europe or certainly one of them. Um, and just the, the fire he played with last year was a good indicator to me. I think when he learns how to play the game a little bit more efficiently, learns to shoot the basketball, um, you know, learns to use that energy on the defensive end without fouling every single play. <laughs> which, which is a problem for him. Um, yeah. I, I think that I think there's a real, real talent in there somewhere. Like we could look back and he was one of the best 10 players in this draft kind of talent. So I'd be willing to take a chance on him uh, late first round. But again, I think it, it needs to be a team, needs to be a system that says he's not going to be able to play minutes, serious minutes for us next year. But two to three years from now, uh, we could be talking about him as like one of our, uh, you know, one, one of our stars for our franchise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, defensively, great hips, fluid hips, uh, you know, an event creator in terms of his steal rate. Uh, I like his feel as a passer. I like his feel, um, you know, sort of the uh, his herky-jerk handle he has, touch on floaters. I like his crossover dribble, pretty nice as well, too. Again, really, his finishing from the floater area is solid. Shifty uh, is, is sort of like one way I would think of to describe his playmaking flashes. Although, I had him uh, last week, I think, at 16 or 17, and uh, I believe reports came out on this a couple days ago. I don't think he's actually going to enter, uh, stay in the 2020 draft. I believe he is going to p- come back for, for Barcelona for one more season. Um, uh, I'd, I'd miss so, that. Yeah, so anyways, but but we both like we both like uh, Bomaro, and um, assuming he is in fact staying in, in Barcelona for another season, um, then yeah, he becomes a monster target for 2021 for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to imagine the role is going to increase. Barcelona, I mean, you, you know that that guy's mm-hmm. playing against the best in the world that aren't in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- yeah, I, I like the decision. So we'll keep an eye on him moving into next year when the Hornets will have another high draft pick. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, 100%. He'll be be 20 next year at the draft. So still very young. Still young. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Tyler Bay uh, comes in at 25 for me. Um, I love this guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I do. I I think he's uh, – I mean – I, I love him. I love what he brings to the, to the court. I, I do see um, a world in where he doesn't make it, but mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet on him. You want to talk about like a six, seven wing. Who's an incredible When I say incredible, that's probably understating it. He is an awesome athlete um, in transition, finishing above the rim, blocking shots. Um, the swing skill for him is, is the jump shot. He took one, three per game last year. Shot it at a decent clip, but the sample size just isn't big enough, and and the form is definitely something to be concerned about. Um, but everything else this guy brings to the floor is uh, is extremely noteworthy. He's a little bit thin. That, mm-hmm. that 
maybe makes me a little bit nervous. I mean, you, you could see where, yeah, okay, great athleticism, you know, great feet, good quickness. Um, certainly could be a three and D kind of kind of guy one day, but can he hold up against bigger players? That's a good question. I think he does have to put on a little bit of muscle, but uh, I don't know, man. This guy just flies around and makes plays constantly. BG yeah. um, on the defensive end, he almost plays as, uh, and I'm not sure what to make of these guys in college because I'm like, oh man, they got to learn how to actually play defense and hit their spots. He plays as a little bit like of a free safety yes. role. Colorado kind of let him just fly around and do stuff last year. I love that, and it also makes me nervous. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that has everything in the toolbox physically mm-hmm. to be a prototype on the wing that you're saying, okay, we're going to get let this guy play five minutes in a playoff series as our as our center when we when we downsize, mm-hmm. and then he's just our he's our go to power forward that can switch across five positions yeah. in every other situation. Mm-hmm. If anything comes online offensively for him, he's a can't miss. But, I, I mean, I think I laid out, like, some of the big question marks, and there certainly are some here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, like you said, shooting is the swing skill, and, and because of that, you know, what uh, based off of that, what role is he playing offensively? Right now, he's, his role offensively is probably best suited for, for a five. But, uh, but you know, that's other than – I, I think he has small ball five potential, but, you know, he's going to have to – he's going to have to develop more off of that. But I think this guy is up there with Devin Vassell as the best team defender – prospect in the class they had similar roles yeah uh, in terms of what they were what they were different defenses uh very different defenses but both sort of allowed to to open up see the floor and be as disruptive as possible best help side rim protector in the class some of the blocks this guy had i mean just the reaction time being able to just shrink 20 to 30 feet of space and and, and block a shot at the rim just incredible reaction times so fluid uh in his hips and as far as if you want to put him into the, the big guy category, he's, he's, a, he's a four or whatever, excellent guarding pick and roll. There's there's no one that gets in a stance like this guy guarding ball screens. And, 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 yeah. and his, his potential is off the charts, but even just asking him to corral, he gets so low and he's so long and explosive, just a terrifying, menacing defensive player, really and, is. And he can – yeah, he has that um, – that skill that no big front court player hardly ever has guarding the pick and roll. He can blitz it efficiently. He can mm-hmm. half it efficiently. He can drop efficiently. And he's got that, like there's numerous clips of him with the point guard coming right downhill saying, great, I got a two on one here. And he just baits him into something and blows it all up. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just unbelievable feel with his, with his wingspan and his, his quick hands. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Good, good luck trying to throw a pocket pass around this guy. There, oh, I mean, I watched a handful of Colorado games this season, including a couple uh, pretty recently. And like, uh, just if you, if you, if that pocket pass isn't exactly where you want it to be, he's going to take it. He's got like, you know, he's not viable, but they hold a similar place in this draft from a year ago. Like, mm. can he shoot it enough to stay on the court? If he does, he's a special defensive player. I think there are reasons to buy the shot. You know, he said, didn't take a lot of them, but shot 42% on threes. Showed some movement off-screen shooting skills. Colorado ran a couple times this season, this little baseline out-of-bounds play into flex, and they would have Tyler Bay coming off a pin down above the above the uh, the arc to shoot a catch-and-shoot three, and he hit a couple of them this year. And showed some I think it was helpful for him when the play was designed to for, for for Tyler to run off the screen catch and shoot and get it up there um 
he looked far less confident shooting the basketball if it was a spot up. The ball mm-hmm. got swung to him, and he's open against a bent defense or a defender that's sagging in. That's where you would really see him get really hesitant and just be downright reluctant to shoot the basketball. And look, yeah. those, those shots have just got to go up, you know. But, uh, but it's funny because we're even seeing this play out in, in the playoffs with with Dort in Oklahoma City right now. And it's funny too because I, I think the comparison is trite as hell to make, but there are some Andre Roberson. Uh, Tyler Bay, Colorado, defensive stud. You, you want to draw a comparison between those two guys. But another good indicator shot, 74% from the free throw line as well, too. So I love Tyler Bay. I've got him at 30, so I won't need to touch on him much later in the draft. But he's a guy that I think Charlotte should have circled in bright red marker as a potential target at 32. Yep, I totally agreed. Um, all right, good stuff on Tyler Bay there. Yeah. 26 for me. Elijah Elijah Hughes, here's another guy who was a late riser. He's certainly older. Uh, four-year player at Syracuse, if I'm not mistaken, BG. And, yeah, four uh, years out of high school. One year at ECU, then three years at right, Syracuse, right. including, including a redshirt season. That's right, yeah. I knew, yeah. I knew he transferred somewhere in the state. Um, so, but look, very simply put, I just – I just believe in what he's what his impact's gonna be in the NBA. He's a six six wing who can shoot it, has got big time range, can play in the pick and roll, shoot it off the move, shoot it on the catch, shoot it off the dribble. Um, like I said, it's got it's got incredible range. And I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good defensive player. We never know with these guys coming out of Syracuse because they play in the zone. But yeah. he's six six, two fifteen. You look at his upper body and you're like, man, this guy is – I mean, it's just – it goes under the radar. He's built. I mean, he's, he's got a good frame. I don't think he's going to be pushed around on the next level. And he's just – again, he's one of these guys that I don't think NBA teams can get enough of. Um, he's a two-way player that I – of all the guys, honestly, that we've talked about in this show, I think Elijah Hughes is maybe arguably um, – the one that you really just can't miss on. But, I mean, I understand he's, he's over 22 years old. Um, you know, the upside may be limited, but, I, I mean, he's a guy who's probably, to me, like a top 20 talent in this draft that's just not going to get talked about like that because of his age. Um, but I think he's going to be a great two-way player uh, in the NBA. And as Richie shows these highlights here, some underrated pop, too. The dude could play above the rim as well. Yeah, he. Uh, I was covering a, the Duke-Syracuse game in Durham last year when, when Trey Jones got hurt, and he had a backdoor cut throwdown dunk that was just absolutely nasty. Um, this is Hughes is a guy that should have gotten more run as far as most improved player in the ACC went. I mean, the, the ACC media was more than happy to just give it to Garrison Brooks, even though I thought <laughs> Elijah Hughes and yeah, DJ Funder. Yeah, it a huge shock. Um, I, but I was stumping for Elijah Hughes and DJ Funderburk for, for more recognition in that award, but uh, it was falling on deaf ears. His role changed so significantly from the 18-19 season where he was really spot-up guy playing alongside Ty's Battle and Frank Howard. Those guys left – and I was just telling, I was telling Richie before we recorded, like Hughes was one of those guys. I saw them Syracuse open the season against Virginia. They looked terrible. And I sort of put Syracuse on the back shelf. And then probably two or three weeks after that, I was going through stats to write, to, to do something for ACCsports.com. And you could just see everything. Had, like he had changed for him uh, this season. Uh, during last season at Syracuse, 10% assist rate, up to 20% this season. Usage rate jumped from 21% to 26%. And his volume of shots coming off the dribble went way up, too. He showed way more as a playmaker than I thought he did. Uh, again, 
what two seasons ago he was strictly like a second side spot up player and then this season he became one of the more dynamic on ball players in the ACC and I give him a lot of credit for Syracuse's offense Buddy Beheim and and Joe Girard came online eventually too but like he really was the engine for them and I I don't have Hughes in the first round but I have him with a like a with a with a pretty, you know, early, mid, second round grade. I like Elijah Hughes a lot. I think he's a guy that can sort of plug and play in the NBA pretty quickly too. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, you brought up Buddy Beheim and and the other. I mean, Syracuse just, they, they were void of ball handlers. They were void yeah. of offensive creation. So, you know, I think that Hughes is just a guy who's right right situation, right time, and he's able mm-hmm. to show what he can do with the ball. And, I you know, I think it's going to matter in the draft here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, all right. Well, the, for number 24, I've got Sadiq Bay. We talked about him a lot two weeks ago. We did a pod on him uh, a while ago as well, too. I've sort of had my thoughts on Sadiq Bay out there. Um, so I'm not – just in order to speed this up, I'm just going to say Sadiq Bay, 24. Interesting uh, big wing with 3 and D potential. I worry about his uh, lateral quickness. There's just certain guys he can't stay in front of, but I think he's going to be a, a good late first round pick for somebody. Uh, 25, a guy that we've got briefly mentioned on here when he decided to uh, come back to school and then come back into the draft and stay in the draft. And that is number 25. I've got Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas. Uh, really one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, and for me, it was really tempting actually to rank him ahead of Neesmith and Bay, but I just couldn't quite pull the trigger. Defensively, like good anticipa- anticipatory skills, off ball, uh, defender, 2.5% career steal rate. And offensively, man, super fun. Twitchy, electric movement shooter. Kind of reminds me of Malik Monk, just in how he moves around um, with his ability to shoot off the catch. It's explosive coming off screens. Weird, wacky shot maker with crazy range. Some of the best range in college. Like, he and he and Desmond Bain are, 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 are right, right at the top of the list in terms of, like, just ridiculous shot range in college basketball among draft prospects this season. And the way Arkansas ran that pick and pop action with Mason Jones, who, oh, I like a lot in this draft as well, too, and uh, with with Joe picking and popping. Like, the way he did that even reminded me of when Charlotte would use Monk in those ghost screen actions with Devontae. He would use that with Terry, too. But, man, dynamic coming off screens and shooting off the catch – pin downs uh, over two seasons at Arkansas, 548 three-point attempts, shot 38% on those looks, uh, 76% of his threes were assisted, but there's he's got some some real shot creation to his game as well, too. Serious pull-up uh, artist, in my opinion. Uh, can create his own shot, can get separation, has some step-back craft to his game, um, and that's the advantage that he and Bain ha- and, and maybe even Cassius Winston have over guys like Neesmith Smith, uh, Sadiq Bay, Green, as far as just like shooters. And then obviously if, you, if you're focusing on wings, you know, remove Cassius Winston from that discussion. But those guys don't have quite what Desmond Bain and Isaiah Joe have. Just really, really dangerous shot maker. Doesn't need a lot of room to get a shot off, off movement, range. It doesn't matter. He, he'll hit it. Um, and I think his playmaking is – it's a little limited, but it still exists, and it's it's. I think it's better than than Bay's, and certainly better than the Neesmith. Um, good pocket passes, looking for guys in the dunker spot when he drives. He has a nice little pick and roll, quick decisions. Of, you know, if you trap him or throw two guys at him, he has no problem just hitting the, the short roll guy right real quickly and lets you get into your four on three offense. So, I love Isaiah Joe. I'm glad he decided to stick in the draft and like. 
of all the guys I wish could fall to 32, he might be at the top of the list. I really, really like this guy a lot. Yeah, I, I, just quickly on Joe. I mean, so fun to watch play. No doubt about that. Explosive, man. Yeah, he is. He, he, he can heat it up really, really fast. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, Arkansas didn't use him on the ball a ton. They, they ran a lot of offense for him, just not with the ball in his hands. We'll just – we'll see. I think if he has a good feel for the game – um, just with the, you know, with the, with the defender running at him when he's got to put it on the floor a few times, if he can just make more good decisions than bad decisions in that kind of situation and shoot it or, or at around 40% at a pretty decent volume in the NBA, he's got a chance of being really, really good. Yeah. No, no question. But, um, you know, that, that remains really the question for me. What, what is his basketball IQ? Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's, it's not a swing skill. It's more of a, um, but but I think that's what's going to matter for him. Yeah, and then 26, Killy and Tilly. Uh, I, I really like Killy and Tilly a lot. Uh, floor spacing five, that can open up any offense with his shooting um, and his passing and his feel. Elite pick-and-pop shooter um, during his time at Gonzaga. Uh, yeah, this season, 64% effective shooting on pick-and-pops. That was top 10 Division One. Uh, 75% effective shooting on no-dribble jumpers off pick-and-pops. And uh, during the 2017-2018 season, uh, 69% effective shooting on pick and pops. Just a monster shooter, 44% on career three-point looks, uh, 240 attempts, shot 60% on twos, 75% from the line, um, 62% effective shooting. This season at Gonzaga, 72% at the rim, 50% on long twos. Uh, has post-game. He's big. He's athletic. Has that old volleyball physique. Uh, he's got like a little bit of a second jump too. And he has, because I think because of the injuries, I think we think of him as maybe a little more you know, that's that's a concern for him. But that doesn't mean he's like brittle or like a porous defender. He's actually a very good team defender, good basketball IQ, good feel, can switch, can slide, can stay in front of guys, makes hustle plays and transition, you know, stays vertical at the rim, um, like a really, really good player and a guy that can breathe life, just immediate injection of life into any offense that you can find. Um, solid, strong, lower body can back guys down, good feel in space, good short roll passer, just a lot of stuff to like with Killian Tilly at 26. I love it. Yep, I, I feel the yeah. same way about Tilly. I mean, yeah. anybody that drafts him should, should feel fortunate, going to help every offense. Yeah. Um, all right, 27 through 30. We'll go through these a little bit quicker, um, mm-hmm. and, and some of these are the same. So yeah. uh, 27 for me, Malachi Flynn. Uh, I, I, look, farthest from like an explosive athlete, as it gets, but you want to talk about a guy who can can run an offense, can be the general of the floor, uh, plays at his own speed, really hard to speed him up. He gets to his spots, good pick and roll player, good shooter, sees the floor great. Can although not very explosive, he's got great footwork, can get to the rim, can get to the foul line. Um, he, he's. I think he's just the perfect backup point guard in the NBA. He might get to a level where, in the right situation, he he could become a good starter. Um, yeah. I think maybe his his limited athletic ability might come back to bite him there. But but Malachi Flynn was, I mean, he was the engine uh, last year for San Diego State, and he made some huge plays in some really big games too. Um, I think that. I would be surprised if he didn't make it in the NBA. He's got that good of a feel for the game, mm-hmm. and he just he checks every box offensively. I mean, he, he's going to have limited defensive impact, I think, but the dude is a winner uh, on, on just about 
at every single level on the offensive side of the basketball. Um, and I just love watching him play, man. The guy is one of the smartest players in this entire draft. Yeah, arguably the best pick-and-roll creator, ball handler in the draft. A good spot-up shooter. Can finish at the rim off a, off a, off a dribble. 60% shooting at the rim in the half court this season. And uh, according to Bart Torvik's site, 85% of his finishes at the rim were unassisted this season, which is just like those, you know, he and Grant Riller are existing in that small guard territory where they just tear up opponents at the rim. And yeah, defensively, you're right. You're, he's limited, but he's smart as hell. He's a good team defender too. So he's not going to like crater your defense. You know what I mean? And I think that is, that along with, with his pick and roll play, his shooting, his decision-making. Yeah. I think he's a guy that could start uh, in the NBA and a, a team like the Lakers should be praying this guy falls into mm-hmm. their lap. Yeah. Good point there. Um, 28 for me, Devon Dodson from Kansas. Uh, really, really like this guy. Mm-hmm. He is shot out of a cannon. He is a spark plug yep. uh, on both sides of the basketball. He can heat it up defensively, offensively. You know, I would say he's he's definitely a transition problem in a in a slat. He's a driver. He's he's getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. If you do not have extra eyeballs on him, he's getting to the rim. Period. He's going by just about anybody. Uh, gets to the foul line at a clip that is really not comparable to to many guards at all. Um, swing skill for him is the shooting. I, I mean, I, I I look at it and I believe in it. I think it can develop. He's not certainly not afraid to take it. Not scared to take it. It's a little hitchy, but if if he turns out to be a 36 to 40% three point mm-hmm. shooter, uh, another guy has got a chance to start in the NBA and you love at his size six two. you love his, his, his physical profile, his two his projectable, projectable two way impact. He's got that thing that a lot of guards in this, in this draft, certainly, in, you know, at this point in the draft have is he projects to be a pretty damn good defender I think at the one position and probably at the two position too um and then offensively he's just going to keep coming at you like that that's the kind of player he is he's going to keep applying pressure on the defense and he's gonna he's just gonna stress defenses out constantly um you know could be a little bit better of a creator but his game is not setting up his teammates his game is getting to the rim getting foul line being a volume kind of scorer so mm-hmm. i like dotson a lot i think he's got a chance to uh to be a really good player in the league yeah you said it, it, it like he just maybe the fastest guy in the class with the basketball in his hands just a, an absolute burner with the basketball and and i like i like i like dotson a lot i buy the shot too with dotson as well i think he's going to be a good a good pro Awesome. 29 for me, Xavier Tillman. Uh, you, you did a great job of breaking him down earlier. Such a smart player. Love him. And then 30, Nico Mannion. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> he, he, one of, probably the, the greatest faller from the beginning of college basketball season uh, and where you would have found him on a mock draft to, to where he finds himself now. So uh, I think he can be a, a good player in the NBA. Uh, he can play the one and the two. You know, I think he can play off the ball pretty efficiently. But, you know, Nico's just one of those guys who's looking for a shot. Um, he's trying to score, uh, and he can, but he's just got a kind of an, an, or, an unorthodox way of going about it. I don't buy the 18-foot floater in the NBA that <laughs> he seems to have uh, coined his yeah. own. So um, he needs to learn how to play the game, I think. But Nico can shoot it. Uh, he does have a feel. He can set his teammates up. I think he's, you know, the steal numbers were okay for him. It's not that he's a non-defensive player, but I think he's limited there. And um, and, and just the physical profile. I mean, I think you see limitations in his athleticism. Uh, and certainly, I think one of 
one of the guys in this draft that actually might have a negative wingspan. So um, yeah. some concerns with Nico, but I think that I'll, I'll end on this. I think that it's probably gotten a little too negative on him. Yeah, I think he's like, he can shoot it. I think he's going to make a lot of sense, not as like a primary guy in the NBA, but as a, as like a, as like a good secondary guy, you know what I mean? That you could, you could put next to a, uh, you put him next to a dynamic, bigger wing, you know, and, and then you really just get the best of, of Nico to come out of that. I think he's an interesting, really interesting player, a guy that uh, perhaps the Hornets should should consider at, at 32, even though they've got some good guards on the roster already. Perhaps we'll draft one at number three. Yeah, I, I like Nico. I, I agree. I think some of the backlash is now – uh, like he's like underrated in certain ranges of the draft, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but I think he's a guy that can definitely um, play in the NBA for a while and be a, a contributor on the offensive end for sure. And, and just help out, uh, help out an offense, make good decisions, get the ball to the right place. And, um, and yeah, I think, you know, hit enough threes too to keep, keep defenses honest and closing out and stuff like that. Um all right, for number 27 for me, another Pac-12 guard. I've got Tyrell Terry out of Stanford, um, one of the best shooters in the drafts. And, again, he's a guy that caught – he's a development piece. He's, you know, at the top of this we said there are certain guys that aren't going to be ready to come in and play from day one in this range. And I was sort of talking about Precious Achua, um, but – Tyrell Terry is another one of those guys. Even though he's got a, a smooth offensive game, he's one of the best shooters in the in the draft off movement, pull ups. Uh, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of different ways he can score. Good vision with the basketball as well too. But lacks burst, needs to get a lot stronger. A guy that's prone to melting on ball screens is has like decent lateral quickness, but you can see guys beat him off the bounce as well too. So Terry's one of those guys. It makes sense on a lot of teams drafting late in the draft. Um, but he's just going to, I think, say, take some time to get stronger, get a little more burst, and get better in uh, point of attack, pick and roll defense. But I, I do like Tyrell Terry a good bit, and I've seen a fair amount of him recently. 28, Malachi Flynn, we just hit on him. He's awesome. Um, sticking with the smaller guards here, Trey Jones, who's a guy we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and is one of my favorite players I've covered in college and a guy that I think has it in him to be a good NBA player, similar to his brother. I don't know if he has it in him to be a, a guy that – I think he can start in the right situation, but I think he's more likely to be you know, a stud bench guard, a guy that can come in and play with either of your, your, your top two guards, an elite point of attack defender, uh, a pest, incredible low center of gravity, the ability to move laterally and, and create events, one of the absolute uh, steals artists over the, from the ACC the last couple of years, and just – a terrific on the basketball, terrific pick and roll defender, and is a guy that I think you can plug. You put him in; he's going to help your defense right off the bat. His spot up shooting got so much better this season. His pick and roll play got so much better this season as well. And that you know the ball was put in his hands more, and there was less talent around him, but a little more shooting around him as well too. So that probably helped. But I just thought Trey made necessary jumps and got betters and better in ways that. Um, that makes sense and and really sort of make him stand out. I think eventually he's, he's just 20 years old, won't turn 21 until January, uh, winning basketball player, a leader. You could see, like I said, I, I covered him at Duke for two seasons. Guys would run through a wall um, for this guy, but I just love his ability to get in the stance. And he really bottled up some good guards during his time in college, including uh, Kobe White, who he absolutely hounded a couple times when they played UNC in the 1819 season. Um, good team defender, 
uh, you know, hits his assignments as far as you know, help defender as well too. But really stands out, I guess, um, on on the basketball. An elite transition passer up there with guys like Hayes and Halliburton for just the best vision and hit ahead passing in the class. I mean, obviously Lamelo as well too. Um, but yeah, just here we go. Want to read these off real quickly? Uh, his freshman year shot just twenty six percent on threes. Um, 3.3 three-point attempts per 46 per, per, per 40 minutes, 49% true shooting. Um, just 7% of his made threes were unassisted um, and 43% effective shooting on spot-up dribbles this season. Up to 36% shooting on threes, 77% from the line, 52% true shooting, 4.2 three-point attempts per 40 minutes, so a big jump there. 41% of his made threes unassisted, a huge jump up from 7% the year prior, and 66% effective shooting on spot-up, no-dribble jumpers. So, yeah, I think there are reasons to buy the shot. Um, yeah, you know, Trey's limited limited in some ways, but I, I feel like, again, you get this guy late in the draft, and he's the guy that can help your team win basketball games next season. An interesting two-way player and just a winner as well. Yeah, I just quickly on Tyrell and, and Trey. Um, Tyrell, I, not as high on him here as you are. He would he would probably be back in closer to 40 for me. I, I Clearly an offensive threat on mm-hmm. the ball and off the ball. No question about that. Yeah. But 160 pounds, like, I, I just – I don't know yeah. that a guy ever becomes a de- – and, and I just – I don't know where he ever fits defensively. And guys that have that big of a question mark defensively for me just have to be so incredible offensively mm-hmm. to, to justify really any role that, that I think that the – the value proposition drops. Um, and then Trey Jones, look, you said it. I mean, he was an honorable mention for me. You have him at 29. I'd probably have him 31, 32. I mean, yeah. the, the consummate winner, you said it all, and you've covered him for so long. Uh, defensively, when he's guarding the basketball, he's just one of those guys who's just like, it makes me miss coaching. <laughs> yeah. One of those players who yeah. just like brings a smile to your face, except when he's playing Virginia. Uh, because <laughs> he's creating problems. He's yeah. creating problems on that side of the ball. And like you said, that winning basketball player bucket again, he falls right in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Great leader. So totally justifiable. And then you had Bay, Tyler yeah, Bay. Tyler, at 30. Tyler, Bay, Tyler Bay at 30, who we hit on. Um, yeah. We hit on earlier to be a Tyler Bay at 30 rounds out the end of my, my one through 30 mock here. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, good stuff, BG. Um, if we have anyone on here, I will go ahead and read uh, the trivia if you would like to participate um, before we get out of here. So here, here we go. The Charlotte Hornets franchise has drafted nine international-born players, more than I thought. Uh, some of these prospects were traded on draft night, while others never made it to the NBA. Having said that, several of them have gone on to play with Charlotte, who was the last player born outside of the U.S., to be drafted, who to be drafted by and play any minutes in a Charlotte uniform? I would not have guessed this answer. Does anyone that is with us have yeah. it yet? Before we get out of here, BG, would you, would you have known this before? No, uh, I would not have gotten this right. I would not have gotten this correct. No, I would not. So we'll give uh, all right. Give a little five count here. If anybody's got an answer you want to plug into here. I'll give you, let's see, we'll do one clue. How about um, Scandinavia? There's your one clue. <laughs> All right, well, it was Jeffrey Taylor. Yeah. Jeffrey Taylor, Taylor mm-hmm. uh, from v- Vandy, but from Sweden, drafted in 2012 by Charlotte, uh, number 31 overall. 
Wow. I, I remember being a Jeffrey Taylor believer because what an incredible athlete that guy was. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. do much else, but mm-hmm. um, all right, BG, that was a lot of fun. Um, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, uh, I just would want to say, uh, as far as plugging stuff, I am working on a, a deep dive with Matthew Hurt. I mean, it does seem like we're getting close to um, to perhaps figuring out in the next couple, next two weeks or so what basketball season might look like amid a pandemic. So I've done some off-season scouting reports on a, on a handful of ACC guys already. I'm working on a couple with Matt Hurt and Wendell Moore Jr., so I'm going back and watching Duke games right now. As far as guys that we didn't mention – that I think uh, deserve uh, maybe a bit of a tip of cap. I, I wish I had my list in, in front of me right now. Um, but a lot of the guys, I guess, that you mentioned will, would fall into my next tier of, uh, of, of, of draft picks here from going from 31 to uh, 30, uh, 31 to 35, like Mannion, Jalen Smith, um, yeah, Precious Achue was a guy that I sort of like went back and forth on as far as like whether he would – uh, land at 30 or, or, or Tyler Bay would end up there. Elijah Hughes could end up in this, will likely end up in this range for me. Uh, Cassius Stanley, although he might be closer to like 40, 45. Um, but anyways, those are some guys that I, I do want to throw. Also, Zeke Nagy is a guy that I've got. Zeke Nagy and Paul Reed are two guys that I have in my top 35 that I would look strongly at. Um, and pick 32 if, if Charlotte's in the market for a center in that range. That's a way to satisfy that. I've got Mason Jones out of Arkansas at 35. Nico Mannion, 36. Jaden McDaniels, the younger brother of Jalen McDaniels, 37. And Tyshawn Alexander at 38, the wing out of Creighton. So, anyways, I, I wanted to throw those names out there um, because those are some guys that we didn't hit on today that – were in the conversation for me to, to be mentioned, but yeah, there, I, I have second, I have early second round grades on all those guys right now. And all in play um, mm-hmm. for, for Charlotte at 32 yeah. and, and of those names, probably a few of them in play for Charlotte again uh, with the last pick yeah. they have in the second round. So, yeah. um, well, good stuff. That was fun. So we've gotten through our, our, our top 30 uh, big board in, in this year's, NBA draft. Thanks for again for tuning in to another Busby. Uh, we just wanted to thank everyone for the support as we've been putting out content, even though there's been no Hornets basketball since March. So um, we didn't think we'd get this far <laughs> without any Hornets <laughs> to talk about, but we continue yeah. to turn it out and we appreciate all the listeners and the people that get on here, you know, via Periscope or Periscope rather uh, and Periscope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't rename the app Periscope. That doesn't sound as good as Periscope. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so thanks for everybody for, for getting on here and interacting with us. Um, unless there's any breaking news in regards to the Hornets, uh, Richie, Brian, and I are planning on taking a break for at least two to three weeks here. I'm going to get uh, recharged and, and get ready uh, for when we get back because when we do get back here, it's going to get busy fast. I mean, you've got yeah. uh, you got the mini camp coming up at the end of September for Charlotte, and then we get into October, and we'll see what the drafts right now. It's scheduled for middle of October. It could be pushed back. Yeah, uh, with, seems likely. Yeah, it seems likely with all the, the financial mm-hmm. concerns with the NBA right now. Uh, but but it is really nice to see that they, they rescued the bubble. Um, I, I think that is going to be important for the future of the league yeah. or, in a lot of different ways <laughs> and areas. But um, So anyways, we'll see you next time, two or three weeks from now. Go Hornets. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners – 
on Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.